emotional and mental pain has a stigma. A stigma that we are trying to break. This can only be done if we all create a conversation. If we all stand up. If we all speak out. And most importantly, if we are all there for each other. Have a chat. Don't wait. I'm your host, Lachlan Island, and this is the Running From The Shadow Podcast. And welcome to the Running From The Shadow Podcast. My name is Lachlan Island. I'm your host, and today I'm going to be speaking to you about my story and why mental health uh, in particular uh, and also within sports is such a important subject and topic. Um, for myself, uh, I like to do ultra-endurance events, um, starting with the Big Red Run back in 2017 and then the Rang 50-mile running race. Uh, and I've continued that through now more into the triathlon scene with Ironmans and most recently Ultraman Australia 2019 on the Sunshine Coast. Um, my background was definitely not running, was definitely not triathlons. And my running a career, I guess you could say, it's not really a career, uh, was here and there a bit at school in local athletics uh, but it was more based around your team sports in football, cricket, uh, basketball, uh, etc. For me, I grew up in a small country town, uh, two and a half hours roughly north of uh, the Adelaide CBD uh, called Robertstown. Uh, lived on a on a family farm um, with uh, my stepdad, my mum, and my three brothers. Um, fairly secluded, 11k from the nearest town, nearest neighbours, a couple of k away. Um, but it's something I wouldn't change. The the values I learned uh, living on that farm were were paramount uh, in my upbringing to where I am now. I had a little bit of trouble throughout my schooling life uh, with bullies, constantly being tormented, told that I was gay, told that I was this, I was that. Um, I still remember occasionally, uh, once in particular, being knocked out at school um, from a person that had bullied me quite a bit throughout that time. Uh, I hold no grudges against that person. Um, I've seen who they've become now and and they're quite a uh, respectable person. Um, But for me, my real mental health battles started when I was about seven or eight. I'd gone to my real dad's house. Um, we went camping. We called it camping at the time. We actually stayed in a, a tent in the backyard uh, of my grandparents. Uh, it was myself, my younger cousin, my older brother, and our oldest cousin. Um, whilst throughout the night, as all boys and and cousins do, we were stuffing around, playing, etc. But I do recall later in that night, um, I I was raped by my older cousin. Um, it wasn't something that I was proud of. I thought I was in the wrong. I was scared. I didn't know what to say, so I didn't say anything. 
Um, I didn't say anything until a situation arose at school where I got myself into trouble through acting out. Um, and from that, I finally, five, six years later, told my family what had happened. Um, at first, majority of my family uh, didn't believe me, um, which I completely understand why they didn't. It's quite a big thing to deal with as a family. Um, and it was still quite a while um, before it did come out that it was the truth from other family members. Um, but again, I don't hold grudges for that because at the same time there, they were kids, they, they didn't know how to react. Um, but from that moment, it then turned into a police situation where I had to go and tell the story to the police and and then make that call as well as to what I wanted to happen from the situation, whether I wanted it to go further, um, whether I didn't want it to go further, uh, etc. Um, and that was a situation that it stuck with me for a long time. It still sits with me today. Um, fast forward 10 years well, to most recently, well, to when my son was born um, back in 2015, um, I... I was useless, to be honest. Um, my son's mum, Rowan, has done a fantastic job with him. Um, but myself, I I was absolutely useless. I would go play golf four days a week. I was never home. I didn't want to be home. I didn't know how to act when I was with him for one reason, more or less, was that I saw that I couldn't protect myself. And if I can't protect myself, how can I protect someone else? And for me, that was a that was a big problem. And I was falling off the rails very quickly. I was sleeping in my car at night time instead of going home. I was just being a bad partner, a bad, a bad person in my own head. Um, and this was one of those things that I should have dealt with. I didn't deal with it. Um, I put on a lot of weight. I ended up trying to trying to self-harm quite a few times. Um, and from that, with the help of my partner at the time, um, as well as her family, um, I spoke up, went and saw, saw help. Um, at this stage, I went and saw help through a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist wasn't the right person for me. Um, the right person for me didn't turn out to be anyone that I expected it to be. Um, it was more or less by changing the sport that I played. And for me, I changed and went running. Um, and it's the people through running that I've definitely found the most help from, um, and in particular, um, Matty Archer, who I met later down the track. Um, but from there, I made the call that I wanted to. I wanted to start running. I first of all entered the the Twilight Half Marathon there at Wynnum, um, put on by in training, um, and with a little bit of training, I I managed to finish that race, and I was over the moon. And that thrill and exhilaration I got from crossing the finish line and during the race that nothing else else matters was something I never wanted to lose. So the next day I, I got on the computer at work and I went, what's the biggest, hardest race I can find? And at that time, 
I saw one in Kangaroo Island called the Sufferfest, but it was all three sports. And to be honest, growing up where I'm from, I hated swimming. Couldn't stand it because I never learned to swim. So I saw another one called the Big Red Run, a 250-kilometre multi-day race uh, in Birdsville. Um, and that was it. My mind was set. I was going to do that race as good as I could. Um, and while doing it for a worthy cause, uh, we were raising money for kids with type 1 diabetes. Um, so I jumped into the training, didn't train anywhere near as much as I could. Um, but as a whole, amongst the, the 50 athletes that, that did that race, um, we raised close to $200,000 for type 1 uh, diabetes that year, which for me, it was great to be a part of something that was changing the future for, for other people, for kids. Um, and sadly, at the same time, it was it was during that race that I realised that I wasn't happy with where my life was at and was ultimately the breakdown in the relationship between um, my son's mum and myself because I felt I was letting her down in both the way I was acting and, and what I was doing in life. Um, so when I got home, I I did make the call that I, I couldn't do anymore and we both needed to find our own happiness, which I definitely have never been the perfect partner and have pretty much summed it up there at that moment. Uh, moving forward from there, I... I sort of kept on diving into these races without ever fully committing to or fully training for, um, with the next one being the Narang 50-mile 50 50 mile running race. Um, Narang, rough course. Uh, every 25K loop has a 1,000 metres of climbing. Uh, it was, was 38 degrees, and I blew up big time. I still finished the race, finished in third, um, which was only because everyone else pulled out but I realized that if I wanted to do a race again, I was doing it properly and I was putting the training in that was required so that I finished the line. I got to the finish line, not needing an ambulance. Um, which for me, I suffered a lot in that race, but I kept on going back to that reason as to why. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I out here? And for me, it was because my whole childhood I spent running away from my problems and not start, uh, fixing them or going through with them. So for me, this was a big moment as to show that I can push through uh, these problems and and come out the other side. So that's what I did and I, and I pushed through and I, and I got to that finish line. But from there, things went south big time, very quickly. Um, I didn't realize at the time I did have a new partner, um, but I had a new partner and hadn't dealt with my own problems in my head. Um, and and from there, I I spoke to someone the morning that it happened. Um, I then really fell into a dark place, and and that afternoon, I I tried to jump off the Gateway Bridge. Um, Luckily enough, I had some good friends that, that knew something was up and knew what was going on and contacted me. Um, so I can never be more thankful um, for what they did at that time um, because I wouldn't be here 
right now today. But from that that night, I still remember quite quite vividly as to what my partner at that time had said to me and their exact words um, with the was with the person that I thought oh, I had my back, but they uh, they told me that they weren't mentally strong enough to to deal with that. They were going through other things as well, and and I completely respect that. Um, but it did flick a big switch in my head that I have to be comfortable being in my own company before I want to be with someone else. And that was that was a really big thing for me. And I had some really dark, dark times following that. I remember Matt picked me up off my bedroom floor in the fetal position crying one night. I uh, made me go stay with him for the night. Actually, I think it was for the weekend in the end. And the next day he made me, I hadn't done any running for about three months. And he made me uh, go and run the dust to dawn race up at Gulcher, a six hour running race around a 400 meter track, roughly on dirt. It was a dirt track. Um, I think I lasted 22K and pulled the pin. I couldn't do it anymore. I broke down to his wife, Rowena, on the way home in the car. And I cried the whole way pretty much from Caboolture back to Brisbane and I told her exactly what had happened. And it was that moment that I realised as to what my trigger was. And, and for me, the trigger was my family didn't entirely trust me when I told them what had happened when I was a child. And there was a few instances the week before my breakdown where similar things were said to me. And it really hurt me in the fact that I was really getting judged based on their opinion versus what was actually going on. Um, but that was that that was the big turning point for me and that's when I jumped in and, and started doing uh, triathlons and, and looking for ways that I could better myself um, I actually went and sought help from the Alana and Madeline Foundation down in Melbourne. Um, fantastic foundation working with kids that have been affected by domestic violence. Um, my father is an alcoholic. Um, he he really did some some not nice things to my mother, and I guess I, that that relationship's never been the same. Probably never will be the same because of that. Um, and it's a big reason why for myself I very rarely touch alcohol because I'm scared of turning into that person. It's a person I never want to be. Um, but I sought help from them and then I made a pact to myself that I wanted to do Ultraman uh, this year, 2019. Um, and my first step was I had to qualify by doing an Ironman in under 14 hours 30. So I planned out my race, my year, and it started with doing my first triathlon to start with. So the very first triathlon I signed up for was Buskerton Ironman at the end of 2018. Um, and then just filled in the gaps along the way with a couple of other smaller races to um, with the Sunny Coast 70.3, Mooloolaba, Kingscliff, Rainbow Beach and Harvey Bay. Um, I got to that Ironman well and truly underdone. Again, I hadn't trained at full potential because Again, I let some things get the better of me, which I probably shouldn't have, but I did. Um, from there, moved along, finished the Ironman in 13 hours, 
and then realised that it's not just about racing. It's not just about battling my mental demons. It's about being a role model for my son and, and teaching him the right way to go about things and, and the right way to deal with his, if he does ever have um, some hard times in life, how to react to them. So I made it a big thing that I wouldn't suffer in silence. I, I talk about it because I think that's very important is, is having that talk about it um, and roll on to Ultraman. And, and I had that belief that I'd got through most things in my life before and I could definitely get through this and really early on in the race I, I got bitten by a bird great good laugh um, I laugh about it now scared the shit out of me at the time um, but that's just part of part of being out there swimming in their environment is things aren't always going to go to plan um, but I had that belief in myself even though others didn't have that belief I had the belief in myself that I could finish and that was what was important to me is believing that what I'd done in training, what I hadn't done in training, I was the one in control of that and no one could take that away from me. Um, and the event, Ultraman, has 10K swim, 421K cycle and an 84K run. Um, getting through that race was big for me. I had to walk the last 39K because of a quad injury. Um but at the end of the day, I finished the race and, and that meant more to me than anything else. Um, and having my son run down the beach with me, um, I had a, a lot of tears streaming down my face coming down that beach because I look back at all the moments in life where people had doubted me. Um, I doubted myself and I realised that I'd done this even though I could have thrown the bucket in, I could have kicked the bucket, I didn't. And now I was getting the chance to to walk down the beach for that final kilometre of that race with my son. And that is a memory that's going to stick with me forever. Um, and, and no one can ever take that away from me. Um, from there, I, I've really wanted to more give back now. I've had a lot of good people that have, that have helped me out through my sport. Um, but I've also seen a lot of, a lot of people um, that you wouldn't think were struggling men with mental illness, have mental illness and struggle big time. Um, and I just, I just want everyone to realize more or less that this isn't about being a macho man. It isn't about ego. This is real life we're talking about. This is stuff that happens every day to every single person in the world will experience it at some times. Life isn't an easy road it never will be an easy road but the first person you need to believe in is yourself because if you don't believe in yourself no one else will and that comes from understanding the people around you are the ones that cause that self-belief if you surround yourself with positive energy you get positive energy back if you surround yourself with negative energy you get negative energy back Trying to find the positive in every situation is the key, I feel, to keeping a, a healthy and clear mind. And, yeah, I still break down on some days. Uh, two weeks ago, I think I put, an, I put a story on Facebook where I was crying. Um, I really struggled. But trying to find that positive outlook on life is, is, is definitely um, something I think is invaluable and it's something that I'll continue to work with and work towards um, for a long time to come. 
But I think my best advice to anyone that's suffering from mental illness is think back to your whole life and try and remember one thing that's made you happy because I can guarantee you you've smiled, you've laughed at least once in your life. Think of that moment, remember what you were doing and do it because all it takes is one laugh, one smile, and then you'll gain that confidence. It might not be much, but you'll gain that bit more confidence. And that little bit of confidence grows and develops and creates more confidence. And from that confidence, you will get to a stage where you may feel comfortable talking to someone. You may not, but you'll find something that resonates with you that you can go and do, um, whether that be join a local sports team again because you remember kicking your first goal when you were six years old. It might be something as small as that. But just throw yourself out of your comfort zone. It's 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 a valuable thing to try and do. It's you learn so much about yourself when you're out of your comfort zone. You learn so many different techniques to bettering yourself. Um and yeah. But also at the same time I, I also think it's um if you suspect someone's having mental a, a bit of a struggle there's nothing wrong with just messaging them. Just ask, are you okay? What's what's up? Do you want to have a coffee? Just half the time they're probably not going to reply because they couldn't give a shit that someone else is caring about them because they don't believe in their own head that someone else is caring about them. But if you do try hard enough, they will, they will open up. They may not, but they generally will open up and they'll say... I'm just going through a hard time, um, but I'll be okay. But that little bit of them saying I'm going through a hard time, that could be the thing that starts a conversation for them to have with someone else because they've at least they've you've broken the cap. Um, so that's my biggest advice around that. Um, I hope I haven't bored you all too much with my story. Um, but that's a big reason as to why I'm doing this podcast because I think it's valuable for, for everyone to have a voice, everyone to be able to speak about the happy times of their life, the times that weren't so happy, and also the times where they want other people to realise they got through because someone may be going through that right now and think it's not a way out, but they can guarantee you there is. Um, thanks, guys. Um, be safe. Speak up. Um, send us a message if you need to chat, and I'll see you on the next podcast with none other than Kieran Douglas as he prepares to run the Wild Earth Ultra Trail 500 at Narang later this year.